Hey guys, it's your boy Eli from the Geeks and Turians, and I'm here with my good old pal Kelvin. Hello, everybody. And my, one of my very close friends, Gus Shiotti. Say hi, Gus. Hello. My close friend, too. I'm friends with both of you. Don't fight over me. Please, that's what you want. <laughs> Maybe. You just wish one of us were more prettier. <laughs> Maybe that too. <laughs> so, guys, um, we're here. Um, we're going to be talking about something like um, a little more. I would say not. I wouldn't say politically, but like you know, it's a little more interesting. We want to talk about um, diversity. So, you have uh, in this episode, you got yourself a Hispanic. You got yourself a young Vietnamese part of the Asian society and all that good stuff, and a clearly white guy who's a... Uh, what, what, what would you consider yourself, I uh, guess, again? I consider myself Italian, for the most part. Okay. Fought long enough to get people to pronounce my last name right, so I'm Italian. <laughs> also, uh, what is your... Uh, what, what else are you? I'm also gay. There you go, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> that's... <laughs> Look, it's, it's it's obvious when I open my mouth. I am gay. I have no shame in it. I have no shame. I'm not going to be one of those guys that calls you out and says, what makes you assume that I'm gay? Maybe. Yeah, we're going to have to put you in uh, the diversity, diversity court. Uh, I know what course you can go through. <laughs> so the reason we have all the... Uh, I'm mentioning this because we're going to talking about diversity and um, representation and basically in all forms of media, whether it be from like comics, uh, anime, gaming, and all that stuff. Because we're a geek podcast and we like to talk about that kind of stuff, but also we like to bring in that intellectual discussion. And that's why I brought, you know, Gus, who fills in a good part of that role and is very actually very knowledgeable in most of that stuff. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the I can see those blushes, Gus, but <laughs> a little bit. You know, it's talking. That too. <laughs> so just gonna start off for each one of us is like um why for us it, diversity and representation is so important. And Gus, since you're like the new guy, I'll let you start it off. Why diversity and representation is so important for me, I would say um it's just nice to have a gay character in a game sometimes, you know? And there are more of them now, but it's never the protagonist or... You've even noticed with uh, movies like recently The Lion King, one of the biggest problems people had with the live-action Lion King, or not necessarily a problem, but just something that people pointed out was that Scar didn't sound as effeminate and, um, you know, devious as he did in the... Uh, Flamboyant. As flamboyant, yeah, that's the word. As flamboyant as he did in the animated series, and a lot of people were wondering why that was. I thought it was because Disney was trying to take a more PC approach to the situation and not make a not make it seem like the gay guy was the was the bad guy, mm -hmm. or the more so, feminine guy. So what would you say to that? To, so what would you say to um, LeFou in the live action Beauty and the Beast movie? To say it again. Uh, LeFou in the live-action Beauty and the Beast movie, where it was clearly obvious he was gay. LeFou, LeFou. I'm sorry, I'm horrible with names. Which one was <laughs> Um, I can't remember his name on the top of my head, but he's the guy who played, um, 
Olaf in um, Frozen. Who did he play in Beauty and the Beast, though? LeFou. The little guy who follows um, Gaston. Gaston. The little... Oh, that guy. See, that's... <laughs> yeah. That's easier for me. Um, how did I feel about them making him a little bit more gay? Yeah. I mean... In the live action, yeah. really seem like he was gay. That's the thing. I mean, there was one ending scene where you saw him dancing with a guy. And mm-hmm. that was about it. Really? So and... it wasn't like, you know openly gay character or you know any confession of i mean you don't necessarily have to confess but let's be honest people have been reading between the lines as far as character sexualities for years i mean that's how that's how that's how fan fiction gets started <laughs> all right so kelvin tell me tell, tell us why um representation diversity is important to you or just uh... in general for a lot of reasons, you know, yeah, like for, for me, I'm I'm a part of like, you know, several organizations at my school um, that uh, in terms of representation, um, specifically within the Asian community, Asian American community. Um, but overall representation in general, it's really important because it it I don't know, like it, it um, you know, you it's almost as if you need to tell a story, right? Because a lot of these tales, a lot of representation back then or what media or what uh film media had tried to do in the past like you know like i'm gonna say uh, i'm gonna throw out a number uh 20 30 years ago the representation back then is would definitely not be the same as it is now if you if 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 you will say for instance you know they have someone to play a um someone from the asian region right but because they didn't have anyone that is of Asian descent, they didn't have anyone who could play the role. They would oftentimes, you know, end up casting a white person, so to speak. And but then they would tell, say that, okay, you're given this role, but now you have to do something different with your eyes, or you have to change up your voice. So in this case, they would give them, you know, an Asian accent, but then they would do a horribly job, like horrible, horrible job at it, like completely butcher it, and then also. Uh, the films back then, like I said, this is this is in the span of 20, 30 years ago. The films back then, it was so cringeworthy almost. It's like, it's bad, but so bad to a point to where like, it's just like complete cringe. And it's just like any kind of, uh, specifically for Asian Americans, any kind of stereotypes you would expect, you can see in that movie. Like, um, uh, like one example for, uh, one example, um, would be a perfect example actually would be the uh the live action of uh, ghost in the shell uh makoto you know kuzanagi is like you know the main character in the series overall and you know a lot of people were given scarlett johansson heat because she was playing a a japanese character even though she was like caucasian but the other side of it was she's an android she's not so technically in technicality they don't have a race or an ethnicity. She was a they can do whatever they want. A robot, exactly. So it 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 really falls between the line of like accurate. It, it's either one, you're either accurate, or B, you are just playing right into the stereotype and just and that's what and that's what uh, 
a lot of people would have associated Asian people with now is like the they had associated Asian people with these stereotypes. But in terms of representation now, I feel like it's definitely improved a lot. And I feel like, you know, now a lot more people, not just Asian people, but really minority roles are now starting to speak out more, are now starting to become more apparent in these roles and show, okay, like, yeah, we actually, we also have a history behind our culture as well. Like we also, whether good, whether good, bad, etc. So. No, I agree. And that kind of brings me into like, you know, my idea of why representation and diversity is important. And it, you know, the obvious thing is that you can get so many stories out of it, you know, Hispanic, Hispanics, Mexicans, you know, my family is from Mexico. You have a lot of like culture there, whether it be um, of Spanish descent or, um, you know, any of the ancient societies that were there from Aztecs, Mayas and all that stuff. There's such a deep dive that you can go into. It's a lot of inspirations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I always recall back to being in high school where we had to watch this like old film for Spanish class called El Cid, which is a very um, Spanish hero, you know, real person that, you know, he's from Spain and all that stuff. But he's played by Charleston Heston, who's a white guy. And he, they just literally kind of darkened his skin just to yeah. be that. And I wasn't as upset that I will admit I was kind of bothered by it because it's like you have this white guy in a room full of other white people and all sort of darkened. Right. Oh. And it's kind of like, I mean, I'm not mad. It's 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 the times. So I can't be mad. Yeah. That, to question your education there el cid wasn't just a spanish hero he was spanish in the sense that he was a spaniard hero yeah that's right that's right Spain. but also one of the things that i love about the movie that you just mentioned it actually featured a very prominent italian actress like any yes <laughs> with italian heritage knows this woman sophia loren i yeah. find her i actually just real quick I keep that little poster of her right next to my bed because she's just Italian as hell. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. And that was a lot of movies like that that were took place in Spain, like El Cid and then a movie before that, uh, The Pride and the Passion. They would cast a lot of Italians in those roles because they were the only ones that could, or one of the few people that could pass themselves off as being Spaniard or Spanish, vaguely. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is weird coming from <laughs> knowing it as a... Someone who knows that kind of stuff is like, eh, it's fine. I guess it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I, I feel, I feel like, like it's like the reflection is a little off. It's fine. Yeah, like, like I mentioned before, like the idea of representation, especially within media, is like, you know, you take, you take the idea of what, uh, whether the story is, and 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 this, and the story can be based off of many things, right? So it could either be, like. You know, based off of true events in history, it could be you know a a, uh, per- a time period or a time period, but with fictional characters, any any kind of story based. But then you have these characters who are clearly not of you know this uh, either race or ethnicity, and yet you're having them play um, you know ca- you know someone who's who should be clearly uh, um, this particular race or race or ethnicity in the movie but is portrayed by somebody else. Like one of the biggest ones for sure, I forgot which one it was, but it was with Emma Stone and Bradley Cooper 
And, oh, the Hawaiian ones. And they basically said that Emma Stone was half Hawaiian, half Chinese. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like, it wasn't even, I wasn't even physically upset. That's, that's, I was, see, that's the same I, argument that people have for like, Johnny Depp. And yeah, I'm just circling through my head. I'm like, what is what was the casting directors like thinking? It's like okay, oh cool, yeah, we have this girl who you know who is from from the island of Hawaii, so who is Hawaiian descent, but also she's half Chinese. But oh, let's go ahead and cast Emma Stone because she's because she's already a notable actor or actress. Let's go ahead and cast her in. You know, not not discrediting Emma Stone for her previous roles, but still, it's like the moment the casting directors made that choice, I'm like, I was, well, it, was you know, it was just more of a, just like really like. Like what's what's going through y'all's head? And so like, and then I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna calm you down there, Kelvin. I'm gonna calm you down there. Yeah, I should like, like through y'all's head, which is I, I know, Kelvin. I know, I know. It's just for me, like it's one of those things that we've talked about like numerous times. We had a whole episode. We had a section of a whole episode on. It's just that you know they always try to go with that bigger name kind of person. That's you know, true. Normally, I'm I'm if I see some dude who isn't Hispanic playing a notably Hispanic person of. You know, if it's clearly obvious that's supposed to be, that person's supposed to be Hispanic, then you choose something else, someone yeah. else. I'm like, eh, that bothers me. We've had that discussion before, and uh, I guess you were gonna say something. Um, what was I gonna say? Well, first of all, the idea that you were pitching that the movie where she plays a half Japanese, half Hawaiian—that's that's a concept that people could really get in touch with because the history behind that would be really interesting with so many people in Japan or not in Japan, but uh, so many people who are uh, Japanese American being forcibly removed from their homes after Pearl Harbor being relocated into these little specialized camps. And then so much of their population intermingling with the native Hawaiian population. That would have been a very interesting concept that could have been fun to see in a movie if you know people been great social commentary. not glanced over the fact glanced over that and focused more on the fact that this character who is supposed to be representing a community that is very much in existence in the hawaiian islands is not herself either hawaiian or japanese yeah you could have yeah. you could have honestly casted uh what's her name crazy rich asians uh Constance Wu. Constance, you could have casted Constance Wu and given her a little bit more of a tan, and maybe she could have passed herself off as half Hawaiian and Mm -hmm. half Japanese. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to bring up. I actually mentioned the name of a actress to you once, Kelvin. It's a bit more of a joke, but uh, (laughs) oh man, she is. This is what I'm wondering: is it is there possible? Is it a possibility that there's such a gold standard for people? in specific minorities for being an actor that they feel they can't reach that or it's not necessary to reach that or that if they try to reach that they'll be sort of overshadowing their legacy because there's one really prominent asian actress she was of Mm -hmm. chinese descent and she's considered to be the first chinese american hollywood movie star her name is anna may wong i've first actress to ever be portrayed as Asian, to be p- portrayed on the big screen. She was at the Oscars. She won awards. She's, and I yeah. wonder that myself with being Italian too, because after Sophia Loren, there wasn't a lot of other really big name Italian actresses. Cause yeah. you had 
you had the goddess of Italian cinema right there. What was any other girl going to do? Mm-hmm. And I have yeah, done I mean, a lot for... of research. Oh, no. I'll let you finish, guys. I haven't done a lot of research into um, that idea alone, but it does sound like something worth looking into. You know, if people worry that they might, you know, not do justice compared to somebody who managed to reach that far in a in a movie industry that at the time was predominantly white. Yeah, because yeah, like I know for me, it's for a, for for like Hispanics, you either get confused with like either Spanish Spanish or like he's either Mexican or something else. I know for right now the big Mexican star, the two big Mexican stars. I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. The other one is uh, Jaime Camil, who was was well known for some novellas. He was on Jane the Virgin. Um, I want to say he was in a recent movie, but I just can't remember. He was he was in Coco. That like um, the other guy who was in the uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was in like a lot of movies too. He's kind of like that breakaway. He was in the recent over over the overboard mo- remake with based on that. Uh, it's been a long time. I'm missing my words. But essentially, like it's for for us, you either get stuck as the comedic psychic, or you just you know you're just living up a stereotype, which yeah. is like, I mean, I get it. It's it's what you guys think of us. But listen, I'm there's more than just Speedy Gonzalez out there, man. It's, there's more than just that. It could be one of those things. I actually did some research on this, and I'm trying to do more research on it with Italians. After World War II in America, Italians, like, you think of Little Italy now, you think of being Italian in America, you just think, yeah. oh, they look they look like other white people, which is yeah. true, but still. Uh, and back in the day, Little Italy wasn't just a place that you went to go get good pizza, it was a place that, hell, my grandfather stuck around that place because it was the only place that he couldn't get his ass kicked for being Italian. But after World War II, a lot of Italians felt like the best way to get their culture out there, to get their culture recognized, and to get it to get it to a point where everybody understood it on some level, mm-hmm. was to be on in TV. Which is why you see a lot of the stereotypical, hey, you know, it's, you know, uh, it's Italian Luigi. Italian character, Luigi. That's actually a discussion <laughs> for another time. Mario is one big Italian stereotype. The idea oh, yeah. of an Italian plumber, that is... <laughs> so, that, would, that is um, one thing that my great grandfather probably would have would have beat my ass if he ever saw me playing Mario. So that kind of brings me to just a quick question: that um, has there ever been like I know for us Mexicans it's weird, uh, Mexican Americans and all that stuff, because like you know there's Speedy Gonzalez, you know the the and all that stuff. It's weird because we, we're kind of cool with him that we know he's a stereotype you guys ever have that i think we do because you don't hear a lot of italians talking about it mm-hmm. you really don't the and biggest I, yeah they probably have plenty of reason to because after looking at my uh grandfather's history he was he was out there helping during the korean war he was stationed in japan he was part of those group of americans who were happy to be in Japan because they were going to be off fighting in Korea at some point. And then there was the part of them that were kind of scared to be in Japan because it was Japan and we were technically annexing that country at one point. So, yeah, but it was, I, 
honestly have heard no Italians complain about the idea of Mario. It's it's Mario. He's a staple now, but he does still represent a really. Everybody knows that that's not yeah. what. <laughs> True. That's not a hundred percent how you represent an Italian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you? What about Asians? You guys have one like that? Uh, in how like you know they are like kind of like represented one way, but this is really how it is, or more like. They're kind of negative, but the everyone else is kind of fine with that. Kind of okay. like how he was saying Mario One of those giant So what's really interesting about Vietnamese immigrants coming to the US? So for them, it was for, for us, it was uh it was a lot of things. Um what a lot of people don't know is that Vietnam is one of the let's see. It's one. It's one of the few Asian countries that has been invaded by a foreign power on numerous occasions. I'm talking early fifteenth, early fifteenth century. It was invaded by the Chinese. Nineteen uh, thirties was invaded by the French, and then later on, and then nineteen forties, World War Two, which a lot of people still don't know to this day. Um, Vietnam was actually a very common area in which Japanese soldiers would use Vietnam as a base of operations, and how. Japanese people would actually take away the rice supply, which is essential in Vietnam. Like that's that's our livelihood. Like if we did not have rice, we would die. Like physically and literally. Like that was like our source of income. Like making it, selling it, and like cook, like eating it. That like that was our livelihood. So and then later on in the 1970s was uh you know the Vietnam War was us like you know South versus the North. And then the Americans getting involved, and then this whole mess of like the Americans leaving later on. And then fast forward to the 1980s. Uh, yeah, fast forward in between that time from 1970s to 1980s, Vietnamese immigrants coming over to the United States, you know, and essentially, you know, you're, yeah, you're moving. Imagine going to a country which you now have to learn a different language, you now have to learn and understand the lifestyle and the culture. And this is going to the 70s America. This is 70s America, which is the 60s America was pretty much the hippie culture. The 70s America was still relatively in there, but now getting more slightly advanced. And now, um, you know, coming in as a Vietnamese immigrant into the 70s, you're you're going into America in 1970s. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea how to speak the language. And you had to do what you could to survive. So any odd jobs that were out there you know, a Vietnamese American would pick up. But to the Americans, though, they thought of it as, oh, you're stealing our jobs. Therefore, we're hey, going to... Uh, yeah, yeah, I love I love the history. I love the history you're giving me, but you, you, you're kind of taking a while to get to my point. Do you ever, like, a, had that fictional character that was kind of stereotypical, but was kind oh, of glassed okay. over by everybody else? That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um. Okay, so... I guess okay. So fast forward to modern era. Um, I would say the most common uh, Vietnamese stereotypes for sure. Like I've, it's okay. So there's this one actor, right? He goes by the name of Johnny Nguyen, and he plays like this detective, right? He plays this a uh, police detective. But then um, I remember this is one particular line that he he, uh, he had to say, right? In which one person would say, "Oh, hey." You know, you don't own that. Um, you don't own that uh, restaurant, or you don't own that mechanic shop out in out in the. You know, this was set in California, right? You don't you don't uh, own that uh, mechanic shop or that, that nail salon out in the East End. It's like, not. I mean, yeah, it belongs to my mom, but like, you know, that's about it. 
See, that's uh, okay. that's the stereotype that constantly stuck with uh, Vietnamese Americans. But here's the thing, though. That for some reason, I don't know why, Vietnamese Americans, especially Vietnamese women, they picked up on the nail salon industry, and now it's such a booming industry overall. Even though when you think of Vietnamese Americans or when you think of Vietnamese culture now, right, like of stereotypes specifically, you think, yeah, they don't like speak English too well or they uh, own some kind of business. Specifically, it's either a restaurant, a nail salon, a mechanic shop, like anything of that nature, anything that's like something that uh, your typical like middle class American would not like own or operate like anything in that spectrum. Mm-hmm. A Vietnamese person would would, would own, <laughs> specifically a nail salon, and that's so and it's so common though because even whether it's portrayed in movies or whether it's portrayed in real life, right? I I walk into a store, I especially whenever for me I walk into a store and I see like okay, it's just all it's just nothing but like Vietnamese women just like either working there. Or, yeah, yeah, I know, I got you, I got you, girl. I got you. Even in media, they don't even have what you could say, what you call a Vietnamese actor. They usually have someone that. Okay, that looks remotely Vietnamese. So most of the time, you either have like an Asian per, uh, person who is either an extra or is like you know someone of a different race or ethnicity, yeah. but is playing a Vietnamese person. So yeah, because when I'm at the yeah, yeah don't don't get me wrong, I love the what you're giving me, but yeah, that was a long one. It was more of like just give us one and explain why. Yeah. Look to boil so, it down. I mean, when you're involved in any war, Kelvin, it's not. It's not something that people are going to remember. Yeah. I mean, hell, I've seen people that they have actually have to look up and, oh, yeah, World War II, we fought the Germans. It was us, the Americans, and some Europeans. Whose side were the Italians on again? <laughs> people don't realize that people remember, oh, yeah, Mussolini. What war was he in? No, Nobody knows this shit. Yeah. As as this hurts me because I, I love World War II history. <laughs> It's hey, it's a fun history, and that's why we love making so many video games about it. But last time mm. I heard uh, Italy mentioned in anything World War Two related, it was in a World War Two zombie movie, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was, I think it was. Was last it Overlord? Year. Overlord, that's it. Yeah. It was a, one of the soldiers was mentioned as having fought in Italy, and like it was the first time I've heard of it. And one of the soldiers was Italian American, which was something that you saw a lot of during world war two as a few Italian Americans trying to get out there and prove that they were on the right side, that they weren't in support of fascism. And a lot of Italians weren't. So that's one thing with war and it gets misrepresented and or misrepresented and everything from movies to video games to it's just not. I I will. Yeah, I will also, add this. Yeah, I'm so, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. As far as the actors are concerned, they will put anybody in a role if there's not somebody from a pool that they can pull from. Right. Or anybody that's just not in in their purview. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, there's a live-action movie for Lonesome Dove. One of the main antagonists is supposed to be this Native American who's hunting down this Texas Ranger. They didn't get a Native American guy to play him. They got a Mexican guy to play him and dressed him up to look like a Native American. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry for you. I mean, hey, it's, he could have been a good Mexican actor. I think he's dead now, but, you know, he's, he could have played a good Mexican role, but instead he was playing a Native American role. Yeah, Yeah. no, I've I've seen those kind of stuff. Like, it's, like I said earlier, we, we get 
generalize a lot into like different stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Danny Trejo, but whenever you need that, you know, the hood character, the hood Mexican, that'd be like, oh, hey, Holmes, hey, 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 man, what you doing? Kind of stuff. He's always the, he. it's either him or it's like some other actor, like the guy from, like the guy who played Louise in Ant-Man. Like it's always like him or something. Javier Peña? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like <laughs> one of those guys who always shows up and everything. And it's like, you kind of more here to fill up a role. I don't blame you. You're trying to get food money on the table for your kids and stuff. But it's, it's very noticeable when that's all we're kind of thought about. And yeah. don't get me wrong, this is a great conversation. But let, let's move on to, you know, why is it important for, like, media, whether it be comics, gaming, and all that stuff, to show that kind of stuff? Because mm-hmm. there's a point where we just, we just kind of want something, like, genuine. Like, I don't know, Gus, have you, have you had that moment where you see something on TV or anything like that where, like, wow, I'm being represented in a great way, in a great fashion? Uh, well, jumping away from Italian for a second, going back to being gay, uh, there was a TV show called Looking on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, only lasted about two seasons. I was kind of sad about that, but I felt it was good representation because it talked a lot about, it was this gay guy in San Diego, and he was a designer for a video game company. So he was designing, helping put together characters, he putting together worlds he was one of the designers for video games and one of the lines that really spoke to me was when somebody asked him he mentioned in a conversation they were releasing a game he said i'd always play as the female character and i'd always remember growing up wondering why i always wanted to play as the female character and i remember before i even came out my sister asking me you know do you want to play as i remember guys saying that you know they play as the female character because they want to check out the girls asses when they're you know running across the screen is that why you want to play as a female character it's like no i just want to play as a female character so it wasn't until i saw the show and heard this character asked uh why do you always play as a female character and as a gay guy he said well as a gay guy i feel you know like playing as a female character i feel you know a certain sympathy with the role i feel a certain sympathy with that kind of character you know we're both marginalized discriminated against under uh appreciated we're both assumed as being you know sort of meek and not as tough as we might actually be and that's a lot of what the gay guys and the straight women you know kind of jive with in video games and why you see a lot of gay guys playing as women in video games and that was the first time i felt like wow that's actually true because when i started playing video games there were no romance options if you played as a male character and decided that you wanted to uh rom- have a conversation in the game where you actually could have your character say i'm gay or have a romance option like in a bioware game where you could romance a male character it was more just you know i could play as a girl and sympathize with the plight of being a very feminine character who is not very who is not perceived as being strong or you know as tough as some of the more masculine characters and on top of that be able to if the game provided it romance guys because i'm gay yeah that's what i want to do and you know (laughs) yeah i know for i know for me like the the one show that i always go to when 
talking about like just great Hispanic representation as being Mexican is uh, Jane the Virgin, which is like, for one, you have an entire entire cast that is of different. Like the main characters are Venezuelan, and there's the one character, Hamika Mel, who's you know the big Mexican soap opera guy. He co- he comes in and he's like talking stuff. But what I really loved was the relationship between every one of them. You had like a very religious um, grandmother, kind of a loose mother, and a very um, a, the main character Jane, who's very you know who wants to represent her family well. She wants to do hard work. She wants she's a hard worker. And she wants to, uh, you know, make her family proud, which is really why I jet, like, jump so well with all those characters. They, they're representing something that, like, you know, I see that all the time in my family. You know, when my grandma's around, you know, I'm going to be like, oh, hola, abuelita, you know, how are you? And then she gives me a little, you know, crossing on. I'm like, yes. And then I give her a kiss on the cheek and all that kind of stuff. It's very, you know, and I see that in Jane the Virgin and it like, really connected with me because, like, that's that's how we are. That's we're very family oriented. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes family can be a little that yeah, we're so we're as a family, you know, we usually stay together as a unit. I'm not going to lie. You throughout this, like, for now, we're still in COVID. We're somehow still getting together. And I'm like, come on, guys. This is a, this is a, this is a pandemic. There should be not more than 10 people in this house. We are one per person away from this. Keep that baby away from me. That is, you're, that is the one thing that I always loved about the similarity between Italian and Mexican culture, because we're the same way. I'm calling, I'm calling second cousins and hearing uh, that um, they're staying at home now with all two of their siblings and both of their parents, mm-hmm. even though one of them had already moved out of the house. Two of them had actually moved out of the house, but their mom is just like, okay, we got to keep everybody together in this one space while COVID's going on so that we know that we're all safe and that we're all together. And for yeah. me as an Italian, just having to give up the idea that, you know, physical contact can't be bad. That's <laughs> Kevin, do you have a, a show or something that, you know, just, you're just so happy to see just your, your culture being represented so well. Um, it could be a movie too if you want. If you say crazy yeah. rich Asians, we won't judge you. <laughs> <laughs> crazy I'm expecting him to say that. Although, okay, I will. I will. On a side note, for that particular movie, yes. Although I did enjoy the movie overall, but you know, be, you know, I can't really say much in, in a, on a side of Crazy Rich Asians in the fact that you know the majority of the movie itself did take place in Singapore, and even I have a couple of Singapore Singapore uh fr- you know friends or fr- you know friends or uh, whoever who are from that region. They even they themselves will say, "Crazy Rich Asians" does not represent what Singapore is. They only represent like the that top one percent, like the mm. the rich side of Singapore. But there's also the middle class. There's also the lower class that the movie did not like highlight a lot. And and it just so happens that the entire movie, you know, it did highlight. When when your title is Crazy Rich, you know, it kind of you know it it, yeah. it, it, it kind of explains it in itself. But in terms of like you know my culture, Vietnamese culture, um, what I'm, uh, really excited or no, not not so much excited, but like I'm really glad that they're able to make a movie about this, which is a more of a social issue, is about the human trafficking that is still going on in Vietnam, specifically the human tra- um when it comes to like teenage or uh um yeah or preteens or teenage yeah. girls being as uh, uh traf- the usual traf- yeah trafficking mm-hmm. in Vietnam. There's this 
one movie right now that's on uh, Netflix. It's called Theory, and it's actually so it's so it's it's spelled F U R I E. So it's spelled that way. I'm not sure why, but basically the movie itself is about a mother who's trying who's trying to raise her daughter in Vietnam, right? And they were trying to find enough money to move to America, but in the process, her daughter gets kidnapped. Her daughter gets kidnapped and, abdu- and abducted, and she finds out that you know she gets thrown into a sex trafficking ring, and she does whatever it takes because it's a, because it's like a you know a parent trying to find their kid. She pretty much goes the whole she goes the whole nine yards of I think I think that's the way you say it. Yeah, she goes the whole nine yards of straight up doing Liam like she straight up Liam Neeson's like Taken. So how is this supposed to be whatever it takes to find? find their kid and knock out or kill whoever it is, the abductors or people associated with the abductors just to get their daughter back. And that's one thing that I really liked about this particular movie that it highlights that trafficking in third world countries is a very real thing and it should be addressed more, especially you know, mm. this kind of movie being put on a major um, streaming service such as Netflix. And one particular, another particular movie. This is kind of a classic, if you will. Um, and this is uh, why I love this actor so much, even though you know he is not of Asian or Vietnamese descent. But I just love the way he portrays like the scenario is a uh, really old movie way back. Is Good Morning Vietnam, Robin Williams. Oh, classic movie, like classic movie ro- ro- with Robin Williams, and how he essentially he himself, you know, him playing. A radio broadcaster in Vietnam, he basically humanized the the horror and the reality of like the what the Vietnam War is, because the movie itself did not come out until the eighties, roughly just a decade after the Vietnam War ended. You know, and again, well, I don't think it was made around that time, but yeah, uh, nineteen eighty seven, eighties. Mm-hmm. Like I said, rough, not even roughly ten, roughly a decade after the Vietnam War ended. So to speak, and again, he humanized. He essentially humanized the roles of the soldiers, the protesters, anybody that was involved during like the Vietnam War era. He really humanized like the roles a lot, and like brought into the reality. Hey, you know, Vietnamese people or Vietnamese people coming to the U.S. Are also, they are immigrants. They are also human beings too, just like how immigrants back then used to come to uh, to America. Um, you know, immigrants from Europe used to come here because of World War II kind of deal. So, you know, in that sense, I feel like now these days, you know, um, with the amount of representation of, like, Vietnamese people within, like, media, within, like, the entertainment industry, like, I feel like now it's it opens more up of an avenue to where we can share our stories more than just being that one per that uh, person in a boat. Who came? Who came to a new country in a boat, if you will? We're more than just that. We're more than people who struggle to get to where we are today because of that. Now, you know, and I feel like um, the more amounts of enemies people that are represented, that kind of deal. I feel like um, uh, it could be like, you know, it's 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 definitely still a long road, but still, it's we're like you know, we're, we're making progress. Some way, though, that's the yeah. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the immigrants in this country were even my 
great grandfather was the Italian immigrant that came to this country yeah. right when he started to notice fascism getting kicked up and decided to come over here with his father mm-hmm. on a boat to this country and marry a local Italian girl and get over the prejudices of being Italian. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, something that I'm, everybody has to do. But the fact of the matter is, is there anything today that you feel like represents Vietnamese culture well? Uh, I would say that it is anything, anything today would definitely be, like I said, um, the one, one of the, like, yeah, one of the bigger things for sure is the, like I said, the social, the social issue with the, with the sex trafficking in Eastern, uh, East or Southeast and Southeastern Asia. Uh, now these days there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, um, represent, not, not necessarily representation, but there's. It's being brought more into the light by a lot of nonprofit or organizations. Yeah, we're talking about representation here. Yeah, like I said, um, uh, a lot of non-profit representation, or- like as a characters or in oh, as character. Okay, yeah, or you know, um, I can't think of any either on your on your. Yeah, side, like it's. I haven't done a lot of research into that. Yeah, like I, I feel like now these, you know, they should do they should do some more representation instead of like or no in. Not instead of, but in case, in the case of just like in like film can I or ask you something? in general. Can I yeah. ask you something, Calvin? What's up? Uh, there's a lot of like if you talk to Italians, it's this. Um, there's a lot of regional disputes. Yeah. Like I can say that I love Sofia Loren mm-hmm. as an Italian actress. Uh, yeah. Every Italian will say that they love Sofia Loren. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to Italy, we're very divided, even though we're one country mm-hmm. and even though we've been a part of Europe for quite some time and a part of the European Union for quite some time, we're still very divided. Like there's yeah. that northern part of Italy that every Italian will say those are the high class Italians. They think they're hot shit just because, you know, they think they invented Italian culture. Mm-hmm. Then there are the Venetians who think, you know, they're all that. Then the Romans, the Sicilians. Uh, okay. Everybody yeah. who considers yeah. they're not really I'm Italian. In reality, Sophia Loren is a Neapolitan Italian. Mm-hmm. She's from Neapolitan culture, but she's recognized yeah. by all of Italy. Mm-hmm. So you as an Asian American come from a place that scientifically people would refer to as, I don't know if you've heard this term, the sinosphere, which is basically any area in East Asia that was affected by China or the general ancient yeah. Asian culture at some point in time. Yeah. So that would include China, Japan, Korea, uh-huh. Mongolia. Yeah. Is there any character out there that widespread, no matter what type of Asian you are, be it from Vietnam, Thailand, uh, right. Japan, anywhere, mm-hmm. that you can feel well represented by, even if they're Japanese, Chinese, Filip- Filipino, any of it? Right. Um... Or does okay. it feel more represented if they're specifically Vietnamese? Yeah. So I was saying is that um, Kelvin, you were saying you're trying to look for characters that you feel represent the best of Asian culture. Yeah. And like, what was that for you? Uh. So like, which so which of the characters for me would be like best represented? Okay, so like I said before, um, I'd say uh, easily for. 
I actually, I pers I personally don't know of Miss Swan. I, I I personally don't know it. Really? Um, yeah, I actually like I've heard of the name, but I I don't like I haven't like done like further like, research. I haven't like looked into it that often. But characters wise, I would say definitely associated with like the Asian American community for sure. With the top two easily would be Uncle from Jackie Chan Adventures, and then also Kamala Khan, uh, from the Marvel both. Uh, I said well from the uh, Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. Oh, Marvel, Marvel Universe. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Marvel Universe, if you will. Um, you know, like I because what Marvel has done is they they've done a really good job at highlighting uh her her uh, her cultural heritage with it, which is you know essentially she is Pakistani American, and they've really highlighted a lot of like you know that that features well, um especially her interaction with her mother, whom like you know we uh Pakistani mothers tend to be very uh very precise, they tend to be very strict. Uh, like everything has to be like you know set according to the rules and you know although you know the second generation might see it as bothersome but um you know as from the mother's standpoint it's just you know the mother doing her job or do, the mother doing what she can to make sure she's well taken care of now in the, so kevin i find yeah. it interesting that you bring kamala khan she's more of a middle eastern character than mm -hmm. an a than you know a common asian character is there like a difference for that or are there actually some similarities between the two? So it, so it, so to clarify on that, Eli, um, it is, it was official. Like you know, a lot of people, you know, when she first came out, or whenever she was first released, a lot of people had you know assumed that she was of Middle Eastern um, origin. But it's actually confirmed later on. I'm not sure if they, in the comics or not, but it was confirmed later on that she is uh, considered the first Pakistani American. Uh, hero. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying, Kelvin, is that are people of the Middle East she considered would, Asians? She would be considered um, South Asian, Kelvin. Whereas you, yeah. being Vietnamese, would be considered East Asian. Southeast, Southeast Asian, yeah. Mm -hmm. Southeast Asian. The Middle East Eastern. Asian. Yeah. Technically speaking, you are right on that sense. You like that the Middle East is considered to be part of. Uh, Asia, but I would say Middle East would be more towards, I guess, Central Asia, if anything. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's one of those things, kind of like um, where like Venezuelans are considered Hispanics, but they're not part of the of like Central America. No. Yeah. Exactly. See, Venezuela because Venezuela is technically geographically speaking is in South America, so. Mm -hmm. it is but they speak the continent like in that, general but they but they do speak the dialect like, yeah mm -hmm. yeah okay nice nice so yeah that brings me into like another good point that i think uh, we can go on into and that is um when when is diversity and like um representation when is it done good but also when does it seem more like it's kind of pandering and gus i know you I've talked about this before and we went out this numerous times, especially with some of in, in comics, more of the re recent releases of like those new, the new warriors and the uh, children of the atom, which for you was very um, distasteful. I guess, I guess I would say. Yes. Yes. So what's your question? 
I mean, like, um, so my question would be that um, when do you feel like it's done right and when do you feel like it's more like pandering, which is why I brought up um, the New Warriors. When do I feel like it's done right? Um, well, that's a hard question to answer is the thing. When it's done right, it's more of a... God, I'm drawing a blank on what I said the other day. Uh, it's done right when it's more easily, when it's more slowly introduced, when it's more mm -hmm. one at a time. The first Hispanic character, the first Asian character, the first gay character. It's done one at a time rather than just, you know, double down and kind of thrown out there randomly. I mean, mm -hmm. somebody has to be out there, but it's kind of... It's kind of poor to just throw, like, with the new warriors in mind, it's kind of poor just to throw two out there. Especially when a lot of comic book readers, um, especially Marvel fans, don't exactly know a lot about being gender non-binary. So when you mention the new warriors, there are two new characters involved, one called Safe Space and the other one called Snowflake. One was um, born male, the other one was born female. They're twins biracial twins who are also gender non-binary but we kind of have no real sense of what it means to be gender non-binary we don't have any um characters that represent that in a fair way so introducing two characters one male one female is kind of like it's kind of making it seem as though Marvel at the, right now doesn't really even understand what gender non-binary means. They're introducing both characters, both gender non-binary, both who are, biologically speaking, as far as sex is concerned, of two different genders, male and female. So it's almost as if they're trying to show us two different kinds of gender non-binary when they might not understand entirely what being gender non-binary means in and of itself. So just mm -hmm. introducing two right off the bat there. And also the names just don't seem like they would represent either members. They don't seem like they would represent well either members of the LGBT community or people who are um, biracial because the name Safe Space kind of sounds like it's more of a joke than an actual name for a superhero. Like... Sounds like something that a more conservative comic book writer would write off as a more um, parody of a PC character than an actual character representing LGBT yeah. politically correct culture. So, And then the right. other one, Snowflake. It's just an offensive name for people who are biracial or who are of African-American heritage and act more white so the fact that the character is biracial and the name is very offensive to people who are both biracial and black is just doubling down so it's not mm -hmm. not good representation for sure yeah. so like that's that'd be considered more pandering than it should be something positive that they're trying to show off until we actually see the comic book itself yes it's more pandering yeah mm -hmm. so what would you say is like a more positive look would it be from comics or any other form of, form of media? Which do you feel is more of a positive example of how things are? Well, you could get into a lot of different areas there. Like if it's um, more taking place in our world, 
that's representation is easier to do if it's taking place in a sci-fi or fantasy setting representation is kind of more loose but it still has to be based somewhere in reality if you want to represent them right like a future for the lgbt community or a future for people who are other races whereas people represented in a fantasy world it's um as far as good examples are concerned here and now um hmm. well wiccan and hulkling were good ones they didn't really yeah. seem like they were pandering to the idea of being an openly gay couple or openly gay superheroes. Mm -hmm. I will say, as uh, somebody in his 20s, it seemed like they got engaged a little too soon. <laughs> Even <laughs> just in millennial culture, if you're trying to if you're trying to put these heroes in the idea that they were raised in millennial culture, the fact that they got engaged so soon and that they're gay, it's two totally different areas. But you know, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll say about those two is that they had like they developed the friend they developed into a relationship, as I recall, right? A little bit. It's more so that they were introduced as a couple. They were already introduced as a pair. We never really got to see an mm -hmm. origin story as to how they met. We know how they met, but we don't see any laid out story as to how that is done. We know that in uh, so in the Young Avengers, the Young Avengers themselves were brought together by Iron Lad, who was really uh, Kang the Conqueror from the future. It's this whole convoluted plot. Um, and he had this uh, safeguard system brought in by the Vision's programming that was supposed to ensure that there would still be another team of superheroes if the Avengers stopped working all together. So he just decided to use this program and go out and find the next generation of Avengers. And that's all we know how they met. He found Wiccan, he found uh, Hulkling, Hulkling and Wiccan met. By the time the story actually begins and we start actually seeing stuff play out in the comics, they're in a relationship. We don't know any intricate details as to how they met or how their relationship mm -hmm. started. It's very cute and very wholesome, but it's I wouldn't I wouldn't never say it was pandering. Okay. So Kelvin, what about you? Have you ever seen something involving uh Asian culture that for you seemed kind of either pandering or you know what, that's actually really done really well for Hispanic or I'm Hispanic, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about myself. Sorry. Uh Asian culture. Um Hmm. Not in not in recent not in recent times, I would say. I would say uh, back then, um, with I'd say a particular era, if you will. Uh, early two thousands was like I feel like that at that point was like a really high point for uh, Asian American uh, representation, uh, in a sense that um, you know how how uh, Asian American families or how Asian American you know, characters are being introduced into the media. For example, um, you guys probably remember these super old school shows, uh, like, you know, of course, like I mentioned before, Jack and Chan Adventures, perfect example. Um, you know, it, although a lot of the aspects of that show is highly, highly exaggerated, but the lifestyle of what, you know, Jackie Chan growing up in uh, San Francisco, uh, Chinatown, that aspect of his life was actually true. It, of course, you know, most of it, you know, most of this, you know, the things that goes on in the story is exaggerated, but, you know, the stories about, you know, his uncle, he actually did have an uncle who ran an antique shop. He did have a niece who flew all the way from Hong Kong to live in the United States. And he did basically like raise that niece for a good while. Um, 
basically during the duration of the show. And another popular favorite, um, you know, this is part of like the classic, like, car- like I guess, classic TV shows, the cartoon fall, if you will, um, would be, uh, what was it? American Dragon, Jake Long, perfect example, an Asian American. I haven't seen that show in a long time. I know, right? So perfect example, an Asian American growing up in New York City, which is like, uh, essentially, um, in, I guess, in context, the biggest Chinatown is is in New York City. It, it's it's considered one of the largest. And the other one was, uh, I think it's called The Misadventures of Juniper Lee, I believe. Oh, yes. my God. Called. I which love is that also, Which is also, I think, I so... Like I can't remember if the because fa- I think there was a there was there was interesting because there was a dispute between distinguishing like you know what you know she, yes it is an Asian American family but specifically what ethnicity a lot of people would argue that she was either Chinese or Taiwanese and that was like a very big like thing to identify you know back then as well it's like you know people from mainland China you know like Beijing Shanghai and then people from Taipei that's Taiwan it's there because whenever like what like people from that region they're still going to be called chinese either way you know but people who were like born and raised or like who are taiwanese they would highly emphasize that they're taiwanese descendants so that was like i think um if i'm not mistaken that was kind of like the big like question for that particularly that character of of whether juniper was considered you know chinese or taiwanese um another popular you know great uh, and one of my biggest idols to this day, uh, Bruce Lee, you know, not only revolution, revolutionized martial arts, get there too. <laughs> know, right? <laughs> not only, you know, of course, of course, revolutionized martial arts overall, uh, Kung Fu, you know, and, you know, his teachings he learned from his master with Wing Chun. Not only that, but also um, a big, 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 big philosopher as well. A huge philosopher. Um, a lot of his, you know, a lot of the famous quotes that that he cited that he cited during his interviews or during his talks with TV hosts and you know interviewers and such, it 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 almost in a sense gave like the motion of martial arts a if martial arts were to have a human emotion, that's what in in my opinion that's I feel like that's what Bruce Lee did. If he were to visualize like the thought of okay martial arts with the human body the human spirit and the human soul that's what he did and he did a tremendous job at it you know of course tragic death in the you know whenever he passed away in 1970 but still you know just, in the time talking about bruce lee could be yeah an on itself. i'll tell you that right now right. i'm a big bruce lee fan yeah in the time frame that he was a yeah, I mean, if you were if you're watching the video version of this podcast, I was doing the whole some mannerisms from like his movies, the whole, the whole like nose thing, the, the cracking fist yeah. thing. That was awesome. A lot, a lot of popular, you know, icons, you know, from Bruce Lee, yeah. and you know, this, despite his short term life, so to speak, um, in that time I mean, frame alone, he made, it, bro. he made it. He was he was able to put essentially put like Chinese Americans on the map of saying, okay. You know Chinese Americans and or like just Chinese Chinese people in, in general, they're more than just your typical like you know restaurant or shopkeeper. They're more they're more than your just your typical labor worker. You know those who just take on odd jobs. You know we like we're capable of so much more. And I feel like you know he really set the um he set the grounds for future generations of Asian American actors, martial artists, filmmakers, 
um, voice actors, like you know, etc. He's really oh, set the uh, foundation for that. Now, now let me ask you this, Kevin. Is there whenever you think it doesn't have to be a character in of itself? It can be like something you saw on a show. Yeah. Um, that you felt was more kind of pandering, like you know, you I get what you know, I get your intentions, but I feel like it, it came off the wrong way. Kind of like we were talking about um, some of the Marvel characters from mm-hmm. uh, characters from Marvel that are supposed to be like this sort of gender fluid, um, homosexual, asexual, and that stuff that doesn't really come out as well. Yeah. Do you have one, do you can you think of one mm-hmm. that is for Asian uh, society or Asian culture? See, so for the Asian culture and Asian society, you know, like in the sense of like you know gender equality or you know LGBTQ awareness. Well, I'm not saying pandering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it, yeah, but still, in that sense, though, it's like the fact it's it's kind of in the middle, if you will, because it's leaning more towards okay, like either being very like being very open about it or just being like subtle about it. There's not really like more of one side, you know. Okay, this person is clearly um, you know Asian American, but they are uh, but they are LGBTQ or they are. Well, I'm Asian- not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying there's sexual orientation and stuff. Yeah, I'm saying. Do, do them as does there a show or a character that's like you know that's supposed to be asian but it seems more like it's pandering oh pandering okay yeah if you um could, okay could you define a little bit pandering yeah so essentially it's like you're just using this person for this reason it's not well, um, the intentions may be kind. It doesn't mm-hmm. come out as what you want. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so like in ter- right, yeah, gotcha. In terms of diversity, for sure. Like the kind of show, like the kind of shows where yes, they are trying to promote diversity, but it's almost kind of like okay, you have a white person, a black person, and an Hispanic person. Oh, we need an Asian person. Almost kind of like a checklist, if you will. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's like a, a lot of a lot of like you know like the se- like you know series you know and it could be for anything like series movies comic books like uh, book series like they need like especially in like the Hollywood standard they need to have like that style of like okay oh, okay you know we have a checklist of every person down the diversity spectrum you know who do we have it's but it's also very common for like commercials as well you know. Like a lot of the commercials, like, you know, whether they intend to diversify it on purpose or not, it's just a matter of like, okay, for most, you know, uh, unfortunately, for most, uh, most of the commercials you see now these days, it's, it's almost kind of like a checkbox. It's like, okay, like the commercial will do well if you, if it shows, you know, one person from different backgrounds, you know, especially for Asian Americans, you know, whether they do have speaking or non-speaking roles, so to speak. And mm-hmm. the, the chance that you know Asian Americans do get speaking roles, they often get thrown into like that. Going back to uh, I guess this the stigmatized stereotypes, if you will. It's like um, you know the Asian, you know the nerdy Asian guy or the guy or the Asian guy who doesn't talk too much. You know it often gets thrown into like that stigmatized. Shopkeeper. Exactly the shopkeeper, like Uncle from Jackie Chan Adventures once again, um, or like. I don't know. Uh, was it Karate Kid in like who's part of the 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 new um um uh, the, the Justice League uh Legion of, Legion of Heroes Legion of, yeah Legion of Heroes you know it's you know it's almost like I guess like I said for Hollywood standards it's just gonna be like another checkbox for them but I feel like now like even progression wise 
even if we were to slowly go away from okay we're, we're just more like we're just filling these roles more of it just the way of the checkbox we're just here and this is who we are and this is what we represent you know just leave it at that you don't have to pretend or sugarcoat a checkbox idea so you, it doesn't have to be a checkbox if the person just happens to be asian let's just let it be asian yeah just let just let the person be yeah. asian like you know whether a major or a minor role like you know it doesn't matter it's just a matter of you know okay like showing giving that person the opportunity to be on the screen that's that's the first and foremost thing you know and i think yeah, and even then, yeah i think even bruce lee emphasized that very well too about like trying to break that checkbox standard if you will you're right because i remember hearing that um he didn't want to be in roles that were very stereotypical and mm-hmm. i remember hearing yeah. that uh he he was in that there's an old tv show called kung fu mm-hmm. with um I can't remember his the dude's name, um, but he's he was the guy from Kill Bill. The Bill, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Umar Thurman. No, 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 the guy, the guy who played Bill. Ah, uh, okay, the old dude, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like he was, they have him being the main role that was originally supposed to be for Bruce Lee. Mm, okay. But they gave it to him. Uh, his name I can't remember his name right now. It's a, a David Carraway. Yeah, he was. He's the main star of the show. He's just like this white dude who went to Asia, learned how to do kung fu, yeah. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, white savior kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that role was originally supposed to be for Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. but he didn't want not to because mm-hmm. an Asian person isn't uh, bankable as a star. And yeah, this is way before his whole uh, Enter the Dragon, you know, kind of stuff. This is this is way later. Days. I think it was during, when he was during. Um, the Green Hornet as a uh, Kato. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, yeah. And I felt like, you know, even even Bruce's role in Kato, it almost, in a way, I mean, it, this is just my opinion. I felt like his role as Kato almost kind of like undermined his actual ability. Like, yeah, he was, he was the sidekick who happened to be martial arts savvy. And then, you know, that was, and it was, and it only even had one season too. It didn't have a long run, um, you know. But I felt like, you know, that the role of Kato could have been more expanded, if you will. Um, you know, having him more than just, okay, like his, the personal, like, sidekick and the chauffeur of, like, you know, the, the Green Hornet. So it, it, it feels the stereotype at the same time that, you know, he was able to rise above it and, like, kind of be the one of the big stars. Because, like, hardly, I don't think hardly anyone knows the name of the other actors aside from just Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's true. And then and just moving forward to like my things that I consider like, you know, done well and like pandering. I know from the comics, there's two characters I always go to. Like that's an example of pandering. And also when it's just a good example, the first one being like Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider. Yeah. It was like, you know, he, he, they don't emphasize that he's like Hispanic. He's like, no, he's clearly Hispanic. He's clearly comes from this area that is very, um, there's a lot of violence, a lot of gang violence. And what he wants most of all is to ensure that there's a positive role for his younger brother, who seriously, I swear to God, he's dyslexic, he's he's got a stuttering issue, and he's in a wheelchair. I'm just okay. Come on now, just as, and 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 that's and that's the and that's the younger brother of Rick, that's brother the younger brother. And he, it's like okay, calm down. <laughs> that's a little too much for for a tragic backstory. But no, um, but you know, he essentially, you know, his whole thing is, you know, trying to do provide for his family, which is very, um, 
if you are of someone of Hispanic descent, especially like uh, from for me, I, I'll say that for Mexicans, the whole family thing is a huge thing. You know, you always try to look out for family. You know, you make sure family's well and kept. And whenever I think of a pandering, and don't get me wrong, this character is great, but I feel like this character solo run her own personal book was just. I don't. I don't think it was intent. I don't just want to say it was intentional. I think it was just wasn't. I don't think the writer was ready for this kind of stuff. Yeah. It was uh, America Chavez and Gus. He and I have talked about this numerous times about how because not only is she Hispanic, she's also lesbian, so she's also representing the LGBTQ community. Which and is an important thing to represent. You know, gay is yes, not something that exists in only you know one specific culture, one specific area. But gay, being gay or being LGBT, is something that is different across all areas so representing her Mm -hmm. as lgbt and hispanic is still important because being lgbt in a hispanic family is much different than being lgbt in a white family in a black family and of course asian hindu whatever asian indian european whatever area culture religion yeah yeah and like it's the way they wrote her i just i didn't agree with they kind of basically made her Kind of like a literal illegal alien, if you wanted to put it down. She came from a planet that's basically she all of. She came from another Latino planet, America. and she was in which, in which the planet was just all women, and they're all Latinas. They're they're all Latinas, and yes. they're, and they're all lesbians. Yeah, that's it. It's not done. Granted, when she's like. When she's when in other books she's really awesome. I loved her in um, West Coast Avengers, where she was kind of like the the the, 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 the kind of quote unquote little stereotypical snarky chola kind of girl, but like yeah, come on, man, kind of stuff. But it was done in a very fun way, and it's kind of the whole writing for that book was great. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's I don't think it. I don't want to say the person tried to intentionally make it seem like that. I think the person had good intentions. But the the writing was not there. It just felt very off for someone to re- represent, um, like kind of Hispanics. Mm. Granted, I mean you can come back yeah. to you can come get her like another another series where it's done better, and I wouldn't be mad and kind of stuff because yeah. you know comics are always retconned. We, me and Gus have talked about this before with Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> On a little side note with 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 the you know with the Latina representation, Eli like. Do you feel? Do you feel that you know, in I guess in the future, like I guess, say five, ten years from now, do you think that you know, I guess not just Latinas, but just like minorities, they'll get enough representation just in overall, uh, o- overall media or overall, um, you know, the comic book presence? Like, do you think well, that it's gonna go up from there, or is it still well, gonna you, be like just stagnant where it is now? Well, you yes, brought up. Well, you brought up Asian culture a lot there and just how it's changed over time. That's 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 a universal thing. I mean, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier on that um that was initially how Italian culture I'm Italian, that is initially how Italian culture decided to make its way into the mainstream, how to popularize yeah. itself. Why you get the stereotypical A mm-hmm. and, you know, ideas of little Italy and mob families being romanticized. Hell, my dad mm-hmm. can't watch the Sopranos without being reminded of how his family would scream at one another. So it's how Italians yeah. basically put themselves in the mainstream. We mm-hmm. got on TV 
a lot of Italian Americans became famous and became big actors and promoted Italian culture in some way. Now they didn't promote yeah. all of Italian culture because you talk to any Italian and it's there's a difference Tuscan, Venetian, Roman, ne- Neapolitan, all over the place, Sicilian. It's all different in and of itself, but they've made it prominent enough to be recognized and to be out there. Yeah. I doubt being raised in the South, I don't have a very big perspective on how Italians are being treated as a whole in the United States, <laughs> but yeah. I do know that for for a fact in the South, after um, a lot of Italian immigrants came in through Galveston, it was kind of like a big deal. I can say mm. I'm Italian, but I still look white. Yeah. But Fair I am enough. still Italian. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know for Hispanics, it's kind of... Hispanics are weird, okay? I was, like, I'm not saying the culture is weird, don't get me wrong. But I'm saying, like, we're kind of in that weird zone where, like, we're kind of second fiddle, really. Yeah. So, like, I think I mentioned this before, but, like, say Miles Morales, right? So, we know mm-hmm. that he's African-American, but he's also half Puerto Rican. He's got, you know, you can say he's got this whole Afro-Latino thing going on. Yeah. But, and, but he's mostly focused as a black character. Yeah. The... Hispanic thing usually is kind of like in the background. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah, we, you and I, and one of your friends, um, Andre, we talked about this before with um, Kyle Rayner, because apparently he's Hispanic, and I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The And so it's kind of, it's weird how it, Hispanics are kind of like that weird thing where you can be, it's all right to be Hispanic, whether it be Mexican, Salvadorian, or whatever. In comics now, I'm not saying now. Not saying now, but I'm saying back in the day. It's usually like, usually the half. You know, he's half yeah. white, but also half Hispanic. He's half black, yeah. but also half Hispanic. He's half whatever. He's half Italian, but also half Hispanic. Yeah, you really, you see like someone with the full. That's yeah, kind of how dude. you put somebody into the mainstream, like very slowly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, my, like the main character is not gay, but he has gay family. Therefore, he is very mm-hmm. understanding of, or very sympathetic with gay characters, you know? Mm-hmm. He might not yep. be completely Mexican, but he is still half Mexican, so he does have some ties to the culture. And then today, when you consider today's climate with how people acknowledge, you know, whether or not you look you'll get a lot of comments from people from the Hispanic community towards Hispanic actors saying, you know, they don't look Hispanic enough or they don't look enough Mexican or enough Puerto Rican, Colombian, whatever you want to, whatever ethnic group they belong to. And um, you get a lot of comments from people from that group saying that actor doesn't look enough like that. So being the half is kind of considered not enough. You need to be the whole or yeah. none at all. Being mm-hmm. half is because kind of nowadays like... it's either go go big or go home with representation, really. Yeah. Sometimes pretty much. But you don't half ass. I mean like Yeah. I mean <laughs> well, like that's... nowadays you do see more. Anybody else see that? Which one? Because we were talking about being half Hispanic, half asset. Alright. No? It just right. went out. I mean, just, just, went, <laughs> just went over my head. Listen, will get it and they'll laugh, and then Gus can be happy. <laughs> you were saying? No, um, I would say nowadays, like for Hispanics, I feel like it's more accepted, like to go yeah. full on that whole full Hispanic. Like, 
I've, Jane the Virgin, I've said it before, it's probably the more noteworthy one because it's you had a character, um, the grandma, who literally majority of the show spoke Spanish. Yeah. And like that's like you know that's showing off, but it's showing off how uh, grandmother of that country of that culture would be very you know very strong, very religious. You know, mm-hmm. no nonsense like "Mico si estás culpable, te voy a dar" kind of stuff. Yeah. And nowadays, like I see, you tend to see more gay characters nowadays, and they kind of broken through that stereotype because you know usually I think at the time the gay characters were like very flamboyant, like mm, yeah, kind of stuff. Sorry about that, guys. Which but, uh, notes, please. Uh, which it, it, it is. <laughs> there are gay guys that act like that. There are gay guys. There are gay guys that act all over the spectrum. You know, they act more. There's movements out there that will tell you, you know, being feminine or masculine is just an attitude. It's nothing that is necessarily uh, assigned to your gender or your gender identification. You can act more masculine and be female or you can act more feminine and be male so being feminine yeah. and masculine is nothing assigned to sexuality nowadays mm-hmm. it'll be an argument that a lot of people will want to make it is the norm as far as what we see on tv and in some cases what we see in real life that gay guys will act somewhat more feminine because uh i mean that's that's a discussion for another time why gay men act more fe- why some gay men act more feminine but that's that is not out of the realm of possibilities mm-hmm. yeah i would like to see, i would like to see a more uh i wouldn't mind seeing more characters like hercules who in marvel universe could be it could be canon for him to be completely bisexual because in traditional greek and roman mythology he is a complete and utter bisexual he's had well depending on how you interpret sexuality for ancient greeks and ancient romans again topic for another time but as far as a story and a character is concerned hercules could be portrayed as a full-on bisexual he's mm. his uh the history of his character in mythology he's had boyfriends he's had girlfriends he's had wives he's had you know there's a joke that he basically he basically have sex with anything with a pulse wouldn't that be his daddy? He's almost right up there with Wolverine. Wolverine's <laughs> a little bit more discerning. But Wolverine's also a little too hetero in my case. I feel like maybe after 400 years of living, his his spectrum of sexuality may have gone. Yes, I know about the alternate universe in Marvel where there is a version of uh, Wolverine who romanced Hercules. I know that much, Eli, but I'm talking like main... Oh, I was going to say, if, you, if you've been catching up with the current uh, X-Men at the time... There is hints that him and Cyclops have been banging. Where him and Cyclops? Yeah. Wow, they really they that is that is that might be pandering. Cause listen, I wouldn't be surprised. Cause listen, hey man, as, don't as ruin somebody, my my gay shit, man. As somebody who has scrolled the forums of fan art on <laughs> DeviantArt, Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter. I can tell you it is nothing new for people to ship uh, Cyclops and Wolverine together. So to put them is in, it it's been <laughs> happening for a while now. So for them to yeah. put it into the comic books finally and make it like not just fan fiction, it's actually there. It's it might be considered pandering too on some level because we've been ship we've been shipping Cyclops and Wolverine since since the beginning. <laughs> 
There's a there's a lot of hell. We've been shipping there. Iron Man and Captain America. You don't see them. <laughs> we've been shipping Bucky Barnes and Captain America. I remember seeing a video. This is coming from uh, just seeing a video of um, figures in the gay community. Um, mm-hmm. prominent uh, drag queens on TV, prominent gay actors and all that, uh, trying to list off, or just gay nerds in general, list off the top gay couples in comic books. And th- I thought this was going to be a serious discussion. It turned more into fan fiction than an actual discussion of uh, gay couples in comic books. It turned more into like, oh okay. yeah, I could just totally see captain america and mm. bucky barnes just the stuff he could do with that mechanical fist oh my god i'm just like this is god. <laughs> this is a topic for another time i came here to talk about you know actual gay couples you know north star and his husband um wiccan and hulkling you know uh what's the other one she's from the um she's from the runaways she's the alien girl nico and her uh uh, I'm gonna. Okay, so guys, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, guys. Yes. How did you feel about the moment that uh, Ice Drake, uh, Ice Man, uh, came out as gay? Hmm. That felt right up there with. That felt right up there with changing a character's race in. Marvel mm-hmm. movies. It kind of seems like, oh, we can't really come up with any good ideas for any new superheroes and any superheroes that would just so happen to be, you know, gay. So we decide to make one of our old superheroes gay instead. It's kind of like mm-hmm. representing, don't get me wrong, I don't mind if the race or the ethnic background of a character gets shifted. If it has no real impact on who the character was, you know, you can make any character black, Hispanic, white, whatever you want to, in any Disney movie, Disney TV show, what have you. But, you know, as far as just randomly changing their sexuality, it's kind of like, it's a little like pandering to depends on how the story goes because i do remember seeing a lot of stuff about that where Iceman was like talking about how at one point he was really considering that he might have been gay and eh, i don't know it's just seems like the character's been around way too long and been through way too much and way too many romances possibly to finally come out as being gay all of a sudden you know what i'm saying yeah i get that because like i i mean people have made jokes that I think it was even before he came out as gay. People would make jokes that like, man, this man, he's probably gay and kind of stuff. I know there were jokes about it. And to finally turn there was oh. kind of weird. Listen, I'm from a family of nerds, all right? My mother saw Star Wars 14 times when it came out in theaters the first time. My dad, comic book nerd from the beginning. He always thought that uh, Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, uh, Marvel, was um, a, little, uh, a little loose in the loafers. <laughs> He, I, when I said that when I said that uh, there was my, one of my favorite gay characters in the Marvel universe, Hulkling, he was originally the son of Captain Marvel. My dad was like, "Oh, that's kind of not surprising." I always thought Captain Marvel was a little, was a little gay sometimes. <laughs> so I mean, I, that's not unheard of for people to think. Oh, you know, I always thought they were kind of gay sometimes, but it's it's mm-hmm. different when you decide to actually write them as gay. 
It would be like Captain America suddenly coming out and admitting that he was bisexual. But even after like decades and decades and decades of living in the time period that he is now, he's all of a sudden realizing that, you know, it would be like saying that just because he was raised in a certain time period, he wasn't comfortable with the idea of coming out as being attracted to men. So now, since he's been living in these, uh, the modern era, he's been more comfortable with the idea of exploring his sexuality. And every comic mm-hmm. book reader would be all like, dude, he's been living in the modern day for how long? And all of a sudden he's realizing that he might be inter- into dudes. I mean, he's seen, he's seen media, he's seen public, you know, opinion. He's seen mainstream media. He knows by now, after years and years and years of living <clears throat> in the modern Marvel universe, that it's okay to be gay. Not to say that mm-hmm. any, I mean, you know, there's plenty of fan fiction, but, uh, not to say that I actually would go for Captain America being gay as much as I love the fan fiction. I'm pretty sure you wrote it at least once. <laughs> Me? No. Yeah. Surprisingly, I like to, surprisingly when I write fan fiction, I write a lot of the characters straight. Really? Okay. <laughs> I listen, listen, we talked about this last time when, uh, it came to identifying with, uh, certain characters. Um, I don't know if you remember me mentioning this earlier. The TV show Looking on HBO. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, there was one character on the TV show. He was a game designer for a video game company. He was an out uh, gay man living in uh, San Francisco. And during a conversation at a party for a game release, he was commenting and saying that he always liked playing as the girl. And when somebody asked him, you know, why do you always like playing as the girl as a gay man? And uh, he commented and said, well, as a gay man, you know, I always just felt like you know, I identified with the girls in the games, the, you know, the struggles that they went through, the fact that they would be considered, you know, not quite as strong or not quite as tough as the male character counterpart in the video game. Yeah, I get and that. And that they might um, go through some struggle in that area. So gay men mm-hmm. sort of sympathize with straight women in that regard as far as video games are concerned so when it comes to mm-hmm. writing characters i kind of done the same thing i've written more gay characters now but when i first yeah. started i was and, more uh, one... interested in yeah and uh, one more thing before we uh, wrap this up um you know we t- i remember gus you and me talking about it and kelvin you can add on to this too is that um sometimes a character who isn't spo- who kind of may represent something ends up being kind of representative of all things. We talked about that with Superman, who is the ultimate immigrant, and he kind of basically represents all of immigrants. So what are are your thoughts on that? Well, the story involved in, I mentioned this before, the story involved in Superman is that he was, uh, he took a lot of influence himself from, okay, let me start over with this. His writers, the guys that originally wrote Superman were Jewish. They wrote Superman basically as an idea of, you know, their perspective as being the sons of Jewish immigrants in America at the time. They looked human. They were human. They were just like everybody else. But when you got right down to it, despite being looking exactly like the majority in America, they were actually Jewish. And being Jewish at the time wasn't considered to be a good thing. And, um... 
they incorporated a lot of that with Superman, and they incorporated a lot of yeah. Jewish folklore with him too, with the uh, Golem of Prague, known as the uh, defender of the Jewish people in Prague, if ever they should be harmed there, and with Superman being the defender of humanity, using his strength only to defend those that were being hurt um, unjustly, which is a lot of the lore existed in uh, Jewish folklore, in a lot of their heroes and protagonists there. So that's how they wrote Superman, which is also, you could comment on why, you know, discussion for another time, how they make Superman seem so dark. He's the token good guy. You can't make him that dark. But yeah, Superman, as far as being an immigrant mm -hmm. story, he is the ultimate illegal alien, but he is also a representation of, you know, he looks human. He acts human. All he really needs is the glasses to pass off as a, you know, human walking the streets of, um, what is it? Metropolis? Yeah. As walking the streets of Metropolis. But uh, in reality, he is different from everybody else. He's a defender of mankind. He's strong. Yeah, and I think that's something. Powers. Yeah, I think that's something that I think all of us, in a way, can relate to. Because that's the thing. I know for comics, that's for us, like a big thing. Um, usually, they are they're kind of subtle about it, but they're always kind of representative of something. You know, immigrant, yeah. son of immigrants. We're we're all basically sons of uh, children of immigrants. So this is the United States. We're all something, oh, yeah. you know, Kelvin, you, your family came from, came to the United States to escape a war. That's very, that's something that, you know, even though Superman himself, even though there is an Asian Superman now, even though Superman himself isn't Asian, you can find that kind of also represents you as a, as an American, as someone who's from here. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. And I know that for me, cause I, you know, Superman, ultimate immigrant, you know, he's, he stands for yeah. all that stuff that you can all agree on. Like we said earlier, it's that half that half idea, you know? Superman mm -hmm. had to be written as an immigrant because during the time, writing him as any known immigrant, actually writing him as Jewish during the time, we wouldn't know who Superman was today. Mm -hmm. If they had actually written the character of Superman as a Jewish character, we would have had no idea who Superman was. If it had even gotten His name was Melvin and stuff. His name was Melvin, Melvin um, Sheboygalwitz um, Brown of Westchester, New Jersey, or some, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of that sort of only half. You write Superman as an immigrant, mm -hmm. but you do it in, this, in a way that you kind of have to read into it a lot. You have to really look at it. Whereas yeah. today, we don't want to see characters that we have to really examine and see, oh, this is the perfect example of what a immigrant is. We want to see people who are actually representing our, our groups, our marginalized communities. We want to actually see characters who are gay, who are Mexican, Asian, Indian, whatever, Jewish. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, we can go, like I said before, we can go into like way more into deep. You know, we're kind of reaching our mark at near the end because I know we didn't even discuss how the X-Men are kind of like the staple children for oh. like minorities or anything yeah. like that. And he's like, they're staple I mean, children for being gay, I would say, you know, I mean, come on. No, yeah. no wonder they want to make so many former X-Men gay, you know, coming out to your family as a mutant. Yeah, that is. Oh, we. we X-Men 2, when Bobby Drake was like, exactly. you know, telling parents, mom, dad, I'm a mutant. No, 
Son. Mom, Dad, I'm a mutant. Oh god, I can't. I told you not to coddle him so much. What's your power? <laughs> How long touch has this it, been going it. on? Touch it, touches, touches the uh, cup of tea, freezes the whole thing, <laughs> and then like. See, yeah, but imagine just... if you came out to your parents as a mutant. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe, That's one of those things. Off. It's you, a, almost you, you, you know what's really metaphor. You know what's really interesting about that because, like, normally you expect like the parents to react, you know, in such a way that you know, like, yeah, you know, oh my gosh, my 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 kid's a mutant. But really, like, the brother, uh, Bobby Drake's brother, reacted to it, went upstairs, and called, and ended up calling like the 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 uh, MRD, the mutant resistance division. And I'm like, oh, so it's the brother then who. Like can't like, yeah because like, most I mean most of the time you don't know who's who's gonna be upset more about it. Wasn't know? his brother technically Pyro? Technically speaking, no, no. Like are are they established that they're siblings or are they completely two different people? No, two different okay. people. Okay, no, yeah. I mean, you would think because one's fire and one's ice. Yeah, one's well, exactly one's fire and ice. It's literally yeah. Todoroki split split in half. That's too obvious. <laughs> the brother, the brother, the brother. <laughs> Brother turning him in. That's a that's a different topic entirely. That's more with you know the yeah. older brother getting more attention concept. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close to the end. I like I said, we could make a whole series of this and stuff like that because there's so many ways you can like. Let's do. Um, it. talk about it. Let's do it. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yes. <laughs> Don't be the little voice in my head, Gus. Please. Oh my god. I already am. I already am. You're gonna be like what the Lucy from uh, Enchantment? Do it, do it, do it. Yes, do it, 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 do it. All right, so let's let's be sure to wrap this up. Like I said before, like we can go on. There's so many ways you can look at it, both from like a negative and maybe even a positive and maybe even a negative. You know, look what's done right, what's done wrong. Um. Why some people are more can be easily upset about it. Why some people are like easily yeah. praise it. And as far as we can <clears> tell, <throat> as far as that whole uh, drama going on with the new warriors, we really don't know how they're being represented. All we really know is the names, their look, and you know, mm-hmm. a couple things. Which I, th- still I think I'm gonna show you the new warriors, Kelvin. I think you're gonna be like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. We still need a bit more information on it, but I don't see. I don't see anything big coming out of this. I don't see this being the big, you know, oh my god, the first gender non-binary characters in comic book, or as far as I know, in comic book history, and, you know, it's not going to happen. As far as I know. As far as I know. Yeah. So, yeah, Kelvin, tell them where they can find us, buddy. Alright, so, you guys know the drill um, of where to find us. Anywhere where a podcast can be heard. So Pandora, iTunes, Apple Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast was pretty much iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Pan- uh, I already said Pandora, uh, Spotify, uh, Castbox, really anywhere where a podcast can be heard. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure to slap us with that five stars. We'd really appreciate that. And of course, follow us on all of our social medias to stay up to date on our daily postings and you know our upcoming episodes, uh, so to speak. And of course, you know, with the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, and of course, on our YouTube channel, you know, where you can see like the visual side of the podcast and how it goes down and everything. 
uh be sure to like comment subscribe and give us you know hit the bell icon you know, yeah smack hulk smash that uh bell icon if you will and if you guys have any questions or comments maybe how you would want to you know you know uh, i guess how you would want <laughs> how would you want the next episode to go um yeah feel free to let us know in the comment section below and yeah tell them to bring oh and of course comments. yeah absolutely yeah for sure thanks for coming on guys we really appreciate you having on today and of tell, course tell, as them, always... tell them they need more of me in this show <laughs> It's the comment section in the blow. Like, we, 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 we need Gus more. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yes. and of course, one last thing. Fans, um, rise up! <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, in, to support us, uh, we have we still have our Patreon page that is active. Uh, I know times are a little tough right now, especially with we with don't everything blame that's going on. With, yeah, with, with everything that's going on, it's totally understandable. But if you can support us in any way possible or way, we greatly appreciate that as well. Also, be sure to help us get to 100 followers on Instagram because Kelvin promised you something fun. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you said you would you would cut this part out. This one. Yeah, the, you know, steal my bit. It's like, yeah, when was that 100 followers? I'm, like, I'm going to cut this out. I'm like, let me cut this out <laughs> my ass. That's my could. evil plan, Kelvin. That was my plan all along. Dude. I know. It's my segment. Got to swoop it in <laughs> with <"Cuck-cucks!" laughs> You know. So you can't reach me. You're supposed to have your social distance. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is like a mime thing, just like yeah. trapped in a box. <laughs> but now, um, <laughs> it's 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 been it's this um probably one of the more informative episodes, and uh, it's one of the and usually those are always one of our favorites on our more fun episodes. And you know, like I said, like Kelvin said before, Gus, we loved having you on. Hopefully, we can get you on here more. Thank you. Please, do. please, great do. job I'd as always. Come back. Thank you. Oh, yeah, of course. And, yeah, so it's been a fun one. Um, We'll catch you guys up with the next one. So be sure to do everything Kelvin just told you. And, yeah, so it's been your boy. We're starting from the top or bottom? It's uh, literally you. Bottom. You, you go first, Kelvin. You're, po- you're pointing here like, like there's someone's on top of you. Okay. Yeah, well, from my perspective of the Zoom, you're on top of me. And Gus is my you bottom. See you, you, need need you, you, see you need to work on this. You need to work. You need to work on this point now, right, guys? Yeah, you, you need to work on that point. <laughs> it's it's God. Yeah. Okay, it's been your boy Kelvin, and it's been our lovely pal Gus, <laughs> and it's been your boy Eli, and we've been the Experience, and it's been a lot of fun, guys. Catch you next time. Peace. Bye bye. Bye.